0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It's Friday night. It is 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time for Scott. I'm Christopher Roush, and you guys are here at the Unfiltered Experience, your place for us to have unfiltered conversations that are designed to get you to move and think about your perspectives and shift uh, your direction accordingly. And I'm joined here by my beautiful co-host,
1: Scott Coyette. How are you, Christopher Rauch?
0: How are I am- you? I am good. I am good. If I'm being honest, I'm in a lot of pain right now. I've had for the last three or four days, I felt like somebody took a, a, a baseball bat to my right side and my right kidney and my right hip. So uh, yeah, unfortunately that's been bothering me a little bit. I just went outside and hung out or hung upside down, did my did my exercises, did my stretching, did my breathing. So I'm like, all right, we're going to go for it. So sitting here for an hour will be challenging, but I will grip my teeth through it because I'm excited about the conversation we're going to be having tonight. But uh, how's your week, man? We haven't had a chance to talk all week.
1: Um, Chris, it's it's like I'm, I'm literally convinced that we're in the school of life and we cruised through grades one through eight and did decent in high school and uh, did all right in college and our master's program. And I feel like this is the Ph.D. because the shit that's been thrown at us just nonstop. I mean, you know, you just had a friend, you know, in this life. I mean, it just it, it doesn't end. It, it's like the, the second I go. I don't finish the breath. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So, th- this is this is what I've started to do. You know how, like, you know, five years from now, you look at all the things that are going on today and go, you know, it's just part of life. I'm literally just fast forwarding to five years, speaking from that future state, no matter what is happening. And I'm going, well, it's just a messed up, you know, thing that's going on here. And I'm going to be all right. And uh, it's working, but I'm not sure if I'm actually going insane or I'm just really doing a great job at managing. We, Isn't we can. That funny? Uh,
0: Kind of, yeah. It's kind of funny. You kind of like, I, am, I, am I, am I, am I, am I, am I okay with this, or am I starting to actually lose my shit?
1: Yeah, like, am I about to go full Jack? You know, was it uh, Nicholson? You know, in The Shining? Like, am I uh-huh. gonna do that? I don't think so, though. I think I'm okay. I just, um, it just just keeps
0: coming. Keeps coming. Yeah, so. Just gets exhausting. You're just like, okay, when yeah. when is when is it over? You know, I think that's you, you and I've talked about this so many times. Like when we're kids, it's like, oh, you do this real hard. You do your job. You pay your bills. You have a family. Then you get to retire, and everything's easy. It's like there's yeah. never. I mean, there's 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 portions of our life that are easier, but there's always going to be challenges and obstacles that we have to rise up to. And especially in the world today, I mean, geez, it's it's more chaotic than ever. I think
1: it is. It's chaotic, and you know what? I I think there's an amazing beauty to realize. I, w- I would like to use the word exposure. The more things that we have, because in our minds we're successful. You have one home. You have two homes. You have some toys. You you know different businesses or whatever. The more stuff you have, which we've def- defined as being successful, the more opportunity for failure within those things. And so what's happening, I think, is the world is saying all this stuff that you thought was so important and all these friendships and connections, everything that we've connected to the world, shaking those things and saying, how are you on your own when all this stuff gets a little crazy? And um, we're learning. We're learning that. So we're getting some answers. Um, it's it's overwhelming. But at the same time, there's always a beautiful lesson in every single thing if we can sit and look at the lesson and move forward, even the craziest thing. So um, like you, um, you know, whether it's dealing with pain, dealing with a random flood in your house, dealing, dealing with somebody who's passed uh, passed away, just just keep moving. I, You know how I always put the comment on almost every social media thread? Keep swimming, Dory. I love that. It's the best <laughs> line ever. Keep swimming keep swimming keep, keep swimming. keep swimming. keep swimming. Keep swimming. Keep swimming. Keep yeah. swimming.
0: You got to yeah. keep doing that. No, it works. No, I love it. No, I love your attitude. I mean, and it's so true. I mean, it's really, you know, real world, or first world problems. I was talking to somebody the other day and they were talking. I said, I said, what do you think your problems would be like for somebody in Haiti? Mm -hmm. And they went, "Uh, uh, I'm like, listen, I just found out that they want you to take pictures of them because they don't have a mirror. They never see what they look like. And I was like. You know that's a little bit different than what we got going on here but you're right i mean but it's still to your point there comes a point where you're just like okay how much more can i take and and that's i mean to the point where i've, I've told people if you guys are new to yeah. the show it says here what doesn't kill me only makes me stronger that's not a henna tattoo that's something i put on my my forum in i think 2016. Because I was going through some dark times. I was like, I just have to remind myself that any challenge, any adversity, any opportunity is, 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 is time for me to grind. It's time for me to build muscle. It's time for me to, to learn the next lesson, to be able to teach other people what it is that I've learned so far. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's so true. It's just about perspective. And I'm excited for the conversation tonight because we're going to be talking with an amazing gentleman that I met on Clubhouse. We've had lots of conversations. You're going to dig the shit out of him. Uh, he's real world. He's got an amazing backstory that we're going to learn about. He's a former police detective. He's a former hostage negotiator, uh, former international peacekeeper. He has a crazy, crazy story. He's called the Chuck Norris of Clubhouse. If You guys are familiar with Clubhouse. Go check it out. It's been great for restoring my faith in humanity. I just heard our for- our friend who had on the show, Forbes Riley. She was talking about it today. She had a, a one of her uh, best friends and uh, co-publishers pass away from COVID. And she was talking about um, the fact that Clubhouse really has been her connection point for restoring her faith. And and in times during COVID when she was alone, it was one of those places where we all got to connect. And one of those places that we got to connect with is with this guy named Paul Nadeau. Um, And he is just truly an amazing gentleman. He's gonna he's gonna come in here and share with us real world. Real world strategies for really releasing the hostage within ourselves because we do hold ourselves hostage, or sometimes we let other people hold ourselves hostage. But he is a former hostage negotiator. He's negotiator, and he's a truly kick-ass dude. Welcome to the unfiltered. It's Mr. Paul Nadeau. How are you
2: doing, sir? I am doing well, Chris. How you doing? And Scott, nice to see you. Pleasure. We got two Frenchmen here. We got Nadeau and Goyette. We say so. On va parler français maintenant. Yes, um, I uh,
1: solamente hablo un poco Espanol, but my family speaks French. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> you hablo Espanol también. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Parlez-vous Francais? <laughs> París?
0: Yeah,
2: choué Arabi. Choué
0: <laughs> Arabi. <laughs> yeah.
2: Are you guys done
0: with your contest already?
2: Yeah, we're already starting, man. Because <laughs> I want to do one too. Okay, <laughs> what's <laughs> yours?
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. I guess yeah. I all right, right to all
2: right this is where I, I have to tune out guys if you want to go to bed that's good <laughs> yeah yeah just do, do what you gotta do just not here on my time I all guess. right <laughs> so since
0: we're, since we're all guys here having a chat before we get serious i i used to tell women at the bar that i spoke french and this is how stupid i was but sometimes it worked <laughs> and they would say what kind of french do you speak and i was like Voulez-vous coucher avec moi, whatever it was you can and uh, it. if they didn't know the song they thought I spoke French and it worked. They oh, knew wow. the song. They thought I was cheesy. If they thought I was cheesy, I had a 50, 50 chance that they would dance with me or something like that. But most of the time they would just like, what the hell? And I'm like, I said, you want to dance? And they're like, what, what? I'm not going to dance with you. And I said, no, you look fat in those pants. And I went on to the next girl. <laughs>
2: <Horrible>. <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: baby. Yeah. We got some, we got some of the unfiltered crew in the house tonight. We got Glenda says, Hey y'all. She's calling in. Uh, what's going on, Glenda? Good to see you here. We got Jacqueline Rose, the kick-ass, badass mother effer that she is. I mean, she's Irish. She's all she's all up in up in the business about being a kick-ass. So, thank you for being here, Jacqueline Rose. We appreciate you. Uh, Glenda says here she goes. I know the world got more crazy. Yes, it maybe did. it did. Maybe it didn't. Maybe there's an opportunity for us to, uh, as Glenda says here, maybe it's maybe it's for simplicity. So, Bingo. here's a question I have for you to start off the conversation, Paul. And thank you so much for being here. I know you're a busy guy. Um, given the last 18 months or so, I mean, almost, you know, two years now, given what we've been through and the conversations that you've had from your perspective, uh, with people that are struggling and thinking about the, the topic of the show really being, you know, how do we release our own hostage? What has been your experience in talking with people, both on clubhouse your coaching clients, everybody else, what has been your experience of what it seems like humanity is drifting towards and how can we potentially start to uh, alter that drift?
2: Well, there's a lot of uncertainty still now. We are we're experiencing times that we, in our lifetime, most of us anyways, have not experienced. And there's a great deal of uncertainty. Along with uncertainty, we attach fear to it. And attaching fear to anything is a bad idea because that fear can be crippling. It can prevent us from moving forward, from considering what our options are. What I found a lot of people are doing is, is that they're overlooking what they can control and they're focusing on the things that they cannot control for example when COVID 19 first hit a lot of people were concerned of course and rightfully so that they might catch it uh that they might pass away that somebody that uh, they knew might pass or might pass away so those were real concerns but it took its hold in such a gripping way that a lot of people forgot the things that they could control. For example, uh, physical distancing being one, washing your hands being another, wearing a mask being another, and focusing on your life in the moment and not in what might be. And I think that that's one of the big things that people kind of fall back on is that they're thinking of the things that are not within their control at the moment and they're forsaking what they can control. So my conversations on Clubhouse have been a lot about that. It's about let's, let's take a look at our time zones because as you know, in Clubhouse, there is, there's world time zones. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, right? That's how we greet ourselves because yeah. we don't know what time it is in somebody else's world. However, in our own, there's the past, the present, and the future. And the past is something that has gone by and we cannot go back and change it. The future hasn't yet been written. We can write a great future for ourselves, but it still hasn't been written. What we can do is we can focus on this very moment as being one of the most important, if not the most important moment of your life. And it is for me. Why? I get to share this moment with you two great gentlemen on your show how great is that? This present moment is amazing.
1: Yeah. I'm all, I'm all with you, man. Or like, you know, Chris and I talk about this all the time. You know, I've been preaching mindfulness and getting on stages for years, talking about presence being the gift, you know, the present moment is the gift. And so let's sit and talk about that for a minute, because one of the things that I see time and time again, is when we tell people, you know, embrace the present, a lot of people still don't totally understand what that means. Cause I know when I'm sitting after a speech and, you know, you're at the happy hour and somebody's saying, what, what do you mean mindfulness? I, I heard you. I, I, I get you, but I don't know that I fully get it. And so I'll say things like, what are you thinking right now? You know, are you here? Are you thinking about picking up your kids? Are you thinking about, did I pay the hotel room bill? Did I do, you know, what are you, what are you really doing? So talk about some ways that people can become more present and what does it mean to truly embrace this moment and not just be somebody worrying about the future or wishing they were in yesteryear of the past?
2: Okay, yeah, and that's a wonderful question, Scott. Thank you so much for that. Well, I th- I believe that each and every one of us have great opportunities every day to be the best version of ourselves, to step into our greatness. The problem is a lot of people don't think about that. So they start off their day by chance. Is I woke up, okay, I'm going to clothe my body, eat it at breakfast, go to work, and handle whatever bullshit comes my way and uh, just try to make the best of it so that I can wait for the weekend, have a few drinks, maybe go on that that holiday once a year and just live this so-called life. What if we were to start our days off intentionally? And I'm gonna get to the present moment in just a moment. But if we started our days off intentionally, number one, you wake up, I am grateful. Look, I've got a roof over my head, guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I actually got clothes on my back. And, uh, and there's food in the fridge. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty lucky. I've got people who love me. I get to go uh, on shows like this. I get to, to live a life. I'm not, I'm not in, in dire need of anything right now. So I am grateful. The moment you wake up. Be grateful for what you have, for the fact that you woke up. That's a great start. The second thing would be to set your intentions and your mantras. What is my intention for the day? Well, Paul, you're going to have a fantastic day. And if, if I'm speaking for you, Scott, you'd look at yourself in the mirror and say, God, Scott, you're such a handsome dude. Things are going to go your way today. You're going to nail it. And I look at Christopher. If I were sitting in your shoes, do the same thing. Hey. <laughs> hey Chris you're such a good thing's going your way nothing is going to step in my way and make my day any any worse it's not because this is a great way for me to start it so that's how we set our mantras for the day by being intentional and i tell people there are two closets in our mind i'd like you to visualize two closets on the one side of your your mind is this very dark closet it is filled with regret shame loss Whatever it is that you went through in the past, that door, that closet door should stay closed. Problem is, we poke our face into it every once in a while. It's like... Being in a horror movie and the door is knocking and knocking and knocking and some people go, well, let me open it. No, no, it's a <laughs> horror film. Right. Hey, You know what's going to happen. You do. Ever seen some of those uh, horror movies where a family just walks or buys a house? They go, isn't this beautiful? And then all of a sudden if they, if there's ghosts coming from everywhere. What do they do? They don't pack up and leave. They try to figure it out. And then one by one, they're killed. So that closet, I do not want to step into. The closet I want to step into is a closet of beautiful attitude. And that is a brilliant closet filled with beautiful garments. So you pick that attitude for the day. I pick servitude, I pick love, I pick hopefulness. I pick whatever beautiful garment I can wear on the inside. Then I pick my outer clothing. Now, how does that serve the moment? You've already prepared yourself for the moment. That, that exercise that you did in, in that morning ritual of yours that took, what, five minutes, six minutes maybe? Mm-hmm. Maybe you want to do a little bit of meditation too. Wouldn't that be great to start off your day? So that prepares you for the moment. Somebody cuts you off. You've already set your mindset that nothing is going to get in my way. You may get that flinch just for a moment and go, ah, you know what? I remind myself, nothing's going to get in my way. I've got this. And so living in that moment without the fear of uncertainty is what people ought to do. We'll deal with whatever comes our way. We've got it. Why? We told ourselves we did in the morning. We exercise that. We do whatever it takes to build that muscle within ourselves to handle whatever comes our way.
0: no thank you dude you i I was looking at scott because scott knows that all the time i talk about that i talk it's so crazy how you and i think a lot alike paul every time we talk it's crazy because um i say the same thing it's like the first part of the first time i when i wake up before my eyes open it's what i'm grateful for and the next set is intentions it's so amazing because i caught myself you know back when i was in corporate i'd wake up and go oh fuck God, I wonder what today is going to be like. And you think about that. You're like setting the intention. You're setting the reticular activation system in your brain to go, I'm going to seek out all of those things, which I believe to be true. And you're absolutely right. When we, we reset that focus, it's so crazy because when I do that, then, I, then, then during the day, what I ask myself is that additional question is, is this getting me closer to or further from what I stated to be my intention this morning? So if I'm sitting there almost being frustrated with my son, I set the intention today to be present and playable with him. If I need to be, if I'm going to get frustrated with him, maybe I need to go take, go to the bathroom, take a couple of breaths and come back out there. So yes. that's the added component of that is just checking yourself and saying, Hey, like you said, you get that moment, you go, okay, okay. You know, and so so here with the um, before we get before we get to the next question, I just want to acknowledge some people. We got Ben Hayden in the house. What's, What's up, Ben? Hey, Ben. Toys? Love to you all. Ben is our dear, dear friend. He's also our web designer and just an amazing soul. I had a great conversation with him on the, yesterday. Yes. Uh, we're so thankful. Ben is here. And Jacqueline says everybody wants to change the world, but do not want to change themselves because they live in fear. Mm. Mm. Yes. Mm. Well yes. Said, well, well, well said. right We're, we're, we're going to be talking about that. Uh, Ben says uh, intentionally. Wow. Make us think, wake us up. Thank you. Yeah. You got to be intentional with what it is that you're going to do. I mean, geez, it's, it's so, and it's so funny also because we try so hard to own our life and we have all these big, massive dreams and everything, but we don't decide to own the day. And I read this book by Mar- Marcus Aubrey, uh, how to own the day. And I was like really taken aback cause I'm like owning the day, whatever a big deal. I'm going to own the, I'm going to own the whole thing. But really, if you wake up and you say, listen, I'm going to own today because today is what I have back to your, your, your comment before we have moments. And I'm, 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 I'm convicted of all the time talking about, um, how many different moments that we have and to be in those moments. And I force myself to be in those moments, but tell us about your journey. Um, I think this is important for now that we have people joining us, uh, whether you guys live or on the replay. Thank you guys so much for being here for on the Unbolted experience. So talk to us a bit about your journey, because I've heard parts of your journey, but I would love for everybody to know this, this, this beautiful human being that's sitting in front of us. Who's very articulate and and very knowledgeable. I watched your, your TEDx speeches. uh, You're an author of books. I mean, you are a tremendous individual. You've had a lot of experience, but I know part of your backstory. And I think that's super important for people to kind of dig into, to see where you've been and where you're at now. So tell us a little bit about that story.
2: Sure, Chris, uh, before I do, I just want to set out a few uh, trigger warnings. Yeah, uh, there is right. a lot of violence. There's, uh, there's uh, a lot of domestic violence in, in the story that I'm about to tell you. So if, uh, if violence and domestic violence uh, triggers you, it might be a good idea uh, not to remain tuned in for at least uh, two or three minutes and then tune in afterwards. Uh, Yeah, I was uh, raised by a very uh, violent alcoholic father who used to take out his frustrations for how his life turned out on us children. Uh, When I say us children, my older brother, myself, and my mother as well. And the beatings were severe. And my father, he just was not capable of love. Uh, That's what I understand it to be he had been abused himself uh, just as badly if not worse than he abused his children and abused his wife so it was it was regular uh, to, it was expected to get beatings and severe beatings. And uh, I I remember my dad did all kinds of terrible things like bring, he'd bring kittens into the garage that he had collected from across the neighborhood. And uh, in front of me, he would say that the population of the cats in the neighborhood were too big and that we had to do something about it. And so at the age of six and seven, I watched uh, him mutilate, uh, you know, kittens in front of me. He used to lock me in a trunk of a car and drive me for hours uh, locked in this trunk. And one day when I was about seven years old, he uh, took me out of the trunk. We were in this in, in this farm uh, land, and there was a, an old house in front of me. And I remember stepping out of the trunk and by his side, terrified. The thing was spooky looking to start with. It was a summer's day. And uh, I could hear babies crying uh, from the the house, behind the house. And it wasn't just one baby, it was several babies. And I, I was just, I was so uh, terrified and frightened. And I remember just clutching onto his pant leg as he started walking towards the house. And we didn't go to the front entrance of the house. We went towards the back of the house where the cries were coming from. And there was this big cement uh, garage that the cries were coming from. And I remember as I was getting closer, the the cries were getting louder and louder. And then finally we got to the door and here's a seven-year-old, me terrified. And my father opens the door and pushes me on the inside. And what he had taken me to was a slaughterhouse. There were pigs hanging from the ceilings being slaughtered and butchered uh, right in front of my eyes. And I don't know whether he was trying to toughen me up or if he just wasn't thinking or if he was that ill. And so I just remember seeing this. Again, the number seven really plays a significant, uh, I guess, uh, piece in my life, because it was at the age of seven that I remember uh, lying on the floor after one of the beatings and looking up at my father and thinking to myself, when I grow up, I'm going to be a policeman so I can arrest you and people like you. And uh, and I really felt that. That that was a, a feeling in me that I wanted to see through. Uh, when I was in grade seven, and i never believed in myself. Number one, my father never told me anything that was inspiring or anything that that would hold me up. In fact, he was always disciplining me or or punishing me for things that kids do. And uh, my teachers back then, I was going to a Catholic school and they weren't supportive either because here's Paul, I am the bad boy of school because that's the only place that I can act out was in school. However, acting out in school in a Catholic school back in the 60s meant I used to get I used to get strapped. I used to get uh, a ruler across the hands or even whacked on the behind. You know, that was me every week getting disciplined this way and being told by my teachers, the people who should support you saying, you're never going to mount anything. You're never you're just you're just a, a piece of wasted space in this class, Paul. And those were the teachers back then. Those were my teachers back then. And I did not believe in myself because when you are told lies and when you are told you are a certain way or that you're not significant or you you don't matter, if you allow those thoughts to take over your mind, you can start to believe those lies. And for me, I was conditioned not to believe in myself. Now, something happened in grade seven. Again, I'm bringing the number seven out. In grade seven, there was a teacher and uh, he announced to the entire classroom. He said, "We're going to have a test next week, and I expect everybody here to pass, except for you, Nado. I already know you're going to fail." Now I'm in grade seven. I'm starting to like girls, and for the first time, I think I felt so humiliated. Now I had been laughed at. I had been bullied, but this was a moment in time that that just hit me to the core. I felt ashamed. I went back home, I did something that that weekend uh, that I had never done before. Other than the fact that I cried most of the weekend, I opened the books and I started to try to focus and study something I wasn't familiar with because I, I never applied myself to do it. So I locked myself in that room, I cried, I studied, I went uh, the next week, I wrote that test and I had those two competing voices in my head. The one voice saying, you know the answers, Paul, you're doing good. And the other one saying, oh, no, 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 You're You're going to fail just like you always do. And we have those competing voices. Which one do we feed? Well, I was feeding the one of loss, regrettably, that I was afraid that I wasn't going to pass this test. I wrote it handed it in. A couple of days later, as was customary, uh, this teacher used to call out the student with the lowest grade to the front of the class. And I want to give you guys uh, one one guess who that person usually was. Can, can uh, you think? You. Yes, that would be right. You got it. Number one, 100%. Way to go. So I'm waiting and I'm getting out of my chair just as the first name is being called and it's not me. So I sit back down. Second one, I'm getting ready. I'm, no, no, well, it's not me. Third one, fifth one, tenth one. Out of, a, of a class of 20, 25 kids, I'm not being called halfway through. The my my classmates are looking over at me and going, <laughs> What the hell happened? Yeah, and I'm going, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And so I'm thinking oh my gosh, this is gonna be terrible. Again, those competing voices. Number mm-hmm. one, you passed this, dude. You passed this. I think you did good. And the other one's saying, oh, you know what he's going to do? He is going to humiliate you so much. He's going to make an example of you, and he's going to take you, and he's going to rip you apart. And I'm thinking, oh, no, what's going to happen? Comes down to three people. My cousin, Lise, who was a, a sweet uh, genius, and another girl by the name of Giselle, those two used to compete for the highest grade in, in school, and me. I'm in the middle of these girls. And the next person to be called up was my cousin, leaving, um, leaving Giselle and I uh, to be called. And then I was called. And I got the second highest grade that day. Yes. And that's how I received it. I received it. And I walked up, and I'll tell you guys, it used to be the walk of shame. I took that paper, and I held it so close with the biggest smile on my face is like, I thought it was like I was winning an Academy Award or something, right. but awesome. it was a pivot point. It was a pivot point for me that that at in grade seven, I thought to myself, "If I can do this, what else can I do?" And from that moment on, I challenged myself to remind myself that I was worthy. And what I say is to take my mind and remind it. I reminded myself into believing that I can take on everything. And what happened? The age of 17, my father killed himself, so I didn't get to arrest him. The age of 21, I joined the police department, I got in. Seven years later, I joined the detective uh, uh, branch, became a detective, went in and started saying, what else do I wanna do? Well, I wanna work in major crimes. I wanna be um, the investigator in sexual assaults and child abuse uh, in in what we call uh, just uh, the specialized unit. And uh, so I became a detective uh, working in a specialized unit. Then I became a hostage negotiator. And then I went to the Middle East on a peacekeeping mission. And then, and then, and then it was just like, what else can I do? Because I believed to myself, I can do it. And I have accomplished, and that's my story. It's amazing.
0: What do you think of that, Scott? I told you. I told you.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. No, it's.
0: uh, First of all, thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you so much for sharing that because I know, and thank you for doing the trigger warning too. We do that in Clubhouse a lot. I don't do it on here a lot. So thank you for reminding me of that. But wow, what a tremendous story. And it literally sounds like you rewrote the program that was going on in your brain. You rewrote the reticular activation system to say, listen, now I'm going to focus on this. Like you said about the closets. Scott, I know you got some stuff on this.
1: No, I just think it's, you know, again, we always talk about the, the cycles of life and the little taps that the universe gives us. And like we, we get these lessons like, hey, 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 here's a lesson. Very few of us can learn from a tap. Even the punch to the arm, we usually don't learn. Even the full elbow to the face with our nose bleeding, it takes a freight train for most of us. And that's why we see patterns occur again and again and again in, in you know, families where the dad does something, the kid does it. And the beautiful thing here is that at age seven... You're laying there, not only recognizing that the cycle, the buck stops here, you're saying that I'm, I'm, you already got a game plan. Like I'm going to be a police officer in your head. And the other beautiful thing is recognizing that awakening moment in seventh grade where you're just like, if I can do this, I can do anything. And everyone needs to listen to that because we could just sit here and go, it was just a test. That's what we do to ourselves all the time. We sit in that door, that closet going, well, I got lucky. Like we can sit here and not realize... This is my moment. I'm on the pedestal. I can come here every single day, like you said, with intention. Every day I can become present with intention and say, "This is who I am. Not that door, it's this door." And so I heard you loud and clear. Every day we've got to open that door. It's our choice, getting in that present moment. Um I think it's incredible. I love it. I love it. I think it's beautiful. So Thanks, Scott.
2: And Thanks, I love good. what you said, Chris, too about uh, the reprogramming. I'm thinking of the movie Matrix where you yeah. just call for a program. Hey, I want to learn how to fly, fly a helicopter. Here's a program, pop it in. How about I want to uh, learn how to be courageous. I want to learn how to be confident. Here's the program. It's up to you. It's in you now. And it is. All these talents are within each and every one of us. Yes. I think it was Jacqueline uh, or one of uh, your listeners uh, your, uh, was saying the fear is a thing that is holding us back. How do we, do we beat that thing called fear. And that is such a wonderful question because fear is is a feeling that can be defeated. And I know myself, there have been times where I was afraid for my life. And yet, I looked at it and said, "Okay, this could happen, but if I focus on that, I'm going to be missing what I can control." Again, what is it that you can control? What is it that you can't control? Let's not worry about what I can't control. What can I control right now? I'm afraid. Chris, you said it. Those two deep breaths. I'm Here we go. What? Yep. This is I'm like beautiful. on Home Alone when uh, when little Kevin says uh, as he's as he's this is it. Don't get scared now when the bad guys are coming. You got to say this is it. Don't get scared now. You can do this you're ready. If you're prepared, you're ready. How do you get prepared? You prepare your mind in the morning. That's preparation, folks. That's like getting ready for the big meal. You're preparing everything. You're putting it all together. When that fear comes, you've already prepared. You know what you're going to do. Why? Because you programmed yourself. You put that matrix program in you said, I got this. And you step in and you have got it. Hmm. That's You're not it, passionate right about this, are you? No, 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 no. You, you know what? Just wait until I'm passionate about this. Oh, I'm
0: going to get you fired up. I'm going to get you My fired up. i want to man. <laughs> I want to take some comments here real quick and uh, give you guys a chance to get a drink. Ben Hayden says, uh, Chris is double fisting drinks. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, one of them is a uh, 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 cream uh, creamsicle martini. So that's a creamsicle <laughs> martini in honor of Ben. And then this one is uh, vodka. That's a full bottle of vodka. No, that's my water. <laughs> I'm just giving Ben some shit. We're glad you're here, Ben. We're glad you are rocking and rolling. I had a great conversation with him the other day. Uh, Glenda says uh, this is like lesson. This is this like lesson to Chris and Paul are twins. We're
2: twinsies twinsies.
0: we all have we all have great we all have great mindsets Uh, glenda says the only way to change the world is to work on your attitude and work on self and be the person you want to be and being positive glenda has been uh, uh with us for quite some time here part of the unfiltered experience we have watched your growth glenda and i'm just so proud of you to see your perspective shift over the last year the 18 months of where you've been and where you're at today I applaud you, woman. I applaud you. I applaud you. Uh, Angel says here, uh, yep, a little heart of my soul. She'll be right back. Totally understand Angel. Uh, Angel's awesome. She's a big supporter of this show and also the Raw and Unscripted show. And uh, just put me in contact with a great person to have uh, as another guest on the show. So thank you, Angel, for that. I made contact with Alexis today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We got Robert in the house saying good evening, everybody. Good evening, Robert. Thank you so much for being here. He's always here on Friday nights. We appreciate your your patronage here on the um, on the unfiltered experience. I have to tell you, I have two show. I have, we have the unfiltered experience, and I have Ron and scripted on the Ron and scripted show. I opened the show and I said, "Hi, this is the Ron and scripted unfiltered experience." <laughs> I, I, I combined. Yeah. I said them yeah. like we've interchangeably. We've done like, that
1: a few times, or had the wrong backs screen out there's too many
0: things going on like blah 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 (laughs) Uh, and glenda says uh this is to you paul i so get it paul and uh ben says he's got a question here. he goes uh oh my gosh what was your turning point paul i think that 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 seventh grade experience right
2: that was my turning that was my pivot point and that was the moment that i started to believe in myself remember people are going to say things to you and not everything that you hear is the truth a lot of people are bullies you know hurt people hurt people Healed people heal people. Mm-hmm. I was healed. <clears throat> that, that trauma that I experienced in my past, I left it in my past. If I go to visit it, it's just to remind myself of how I graduated from that. And things don't always happen to you. Sometimes they happen for you. Now, how could this abuse have happened for me? Let me ask you that question. Oh, well, yeah. when I asked myself, how it could have happened for me had it not been for the suffering that I endured at the hands of my father and the insults that I took from my teachers or whatever, maybe I wouldn't have become a cop. If I wouldn't have become a cop, I wouldn't have saved so many lives. I wouldn't have uh, been the person I am today. I don't know where I'd be. So that happened for me. And when we take a look at some of the events that have happened in our life, let's ask ourselves that question. Who have I become or how have I changed? How have I strengthened from what I've gone through. And Rocky says it so well in his speech to his son, doesn't matter how many times you are knocked down to the mat, how many times you get hit, and how many times you go down. What matters is how many times you get back up and you don't blame anybody. You just keep on moving forward. And so that was the pivot point for me, was believing in, in myself in grade seven, and then reinforcing that belief with every achievement I got. And even afterwards, the books behind me. You're writing the books, writing a film script. All these things—they're whispers. Scott, you talked about whispers a little bit earlier. The thing, Absolutely. you know, that, that yes, exactly. Uh, Glenn Morshower, uh, who uh, is a, an actor and, and a very good friend of mine on Clubhouse, he calls them whispers. So yeah, thank you. Mm.
1: And, and so that's like I love I love where you're going with that too, and that's that's how I see all this disarray in the world right now is we've been getting the taps, we've been getting the whispers collectively. And here's the thing, if we're gonna make an amazing shift in the collective, the only way we're gonna do that is through individual freight trains. And so to your point, how could this be happening to me? Okay, how many times did you have an opportunity to learn that lesson in a more gentle way and you just didn't do it? I mean, what about your dad and his dad or whatever brought that behavior to this halt with you there were a lot of tap opportunities i guarantee you throughout the ages of my family and your family and we're experiential learners us crazy humans <laughs> you know and mm-hmm. so many of us we we just wait to the freight train and so what we're seeing right now i think you know with with covid and all these shifts and these opportunities to pivot it's nothing more than individual freight trains hitting us saying we're going to wake up together And yeah, it feels crazy and we can call it a new normal or how are we going to manage this? Here's how we're going to manage it. We're going to go to that correct closet. We're not going to keep going back to the other one. We're going to wake up. It's going to be messy and we're going to find peace in the chaos and it doesn't happen instantaneously. It takes a little bit of time, but we know where that closet is and we're going to open it and we're going to continue to open it with intention every day. And when somebody hears you or Chris or myself that this is what we're doing, we're going to be that light so other people say, it's a freight train, but it's a freight train that's going to teach me some damn important lessons and it's for me. And so um, I think that's the collective message we've got to share with everybody right there. And, and you nailed it and being intentional and, and doing it, you know, with that closet. I'm going to keep using that analogy. It's perfect. So thank oh, well, you for that.
2: Thank you, Scott. And I, I just want to kind of piggyback on what you said. Uh, so many important things that you just touched on. You touched on the fact that we have we have choice. That six-letter word, choice. I get to choose. When you were speaking, it reminded me of uh, Viktor Frankl, uh, who Viktor Frankl r- wrote the book. And I'm sure you, gentlemen, you have it. I know He's you do. On my my yes. shoulder, but I'm reading it yes. again. It's Man actually in
0: my bedroom nightstand. It's usually right there, dude. Swear to God, Paul, it's right there. It's awesome. I'm yeah. reading it.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's it's again. man's search for meaning, in which uh, you know Viktor Frankl says that between stimulus and response. There's a moment. And in that moment, we get to choose how we respond to what happens to us. And I'll tell you, we are lucky here in North America, are we not? Regrettably, so many people are, it it, it seems that there's so much division in our countries right now. People are divided against each other. But let's take a look at Afghanistan for a moment. We've seen those, those horrific videos of so many Afghan people trying to jump on a plane that's taking off and dropping to their death. Why are they trying to leave that country to come to ours so desperately? It's because we got it pretty good. Problem is we don't see it because we're we're living right smack down smack down in the middle of all this. But we do have a choice, folks. We have a choice and that choice is to make the very best of whatever is given our way because we get to we can. Amen.
0: Yeah. Amen. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, I want to get some comments here and then I'm going to ask you another question. I want to go, I want to go dig a little deep and before we move forward. So, um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's see. I think, uh, Ben had a comment up here. Uh, let's see where did he go. Um, oh, um, let's see where it go. Sometimes I can't see, right? Um, uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, here it is. Ben says, uh, here, thank you for being you. You are an inspirational to realize at a young age, what needs to change, how to change, how to set your goals and achieve them. We need more people like you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ben. Uh, Robert says here, embrace it. Um, Robert says also, Hey, what's up? Um, Glenda says, thank you for what said, Chris, you were most welcome, obviously. Um, so, so it's funny when you were mentioning sevens, as you were talking, Paul, I don't know if you were doing this, Scott, but I realized seventh grade was when um, I got when I was when I dropped out. Mm-hmm. I was seventeen years old when I got my shit together and, and, and decided I wasn't going to go to jail or in a cardboard box. And then at twenty seven, I was thinking about this. I'm like, oh, I only got two. But then I, I remember at twenty seven. That was like my best year. It was like, I figured myself out. I was about to graduate with my, I was in my master's program. I think I was in the process of trying to buy a house. My corporate career was going good. And I just remember 27 was like the kick-ass year. I don't have any sevens after that. I don't think, um, okay. but it's crazy how you mentioned that. But I want to go back to, okay. So seventh grade, you start to realize, turn the corner on yourself, but you still have another few years. If I remember right, I can't do the math with your father. What changed from that point of, And when you were in the seventh grade, to the time when your father passed, did things change? Did you start to stand up to him? Did it stay the same? What shifted for you in that relationship?
2: Yeah, not too much, regrettably, not too much. My father, uh, the beatings uh, got less as I got into my teen years. And I think that he just, I must've graduated. I don't know what it was or he was slowing down. Uh, But uh, the, the relationship was, I was always his favorite, go figure. And, uh, you know, and as his favorite, I was trying to please him so much. And there was still that fear in me that I had to outgrow. And uh, but from all the things that he put me through, guys, again, I'm looking back at that and saying those those things happened uh, to me. But they also happened for me because he sent me out when I was about uh, 13, 14 years old to find a job so I could pay room and board. And I learned how to speak to adults and get jobs like that. I learned how to really be self-sufficient. And I think I'm striking a chord with you, Chris, because you had to go through the same thing. When you're out on your own and you need to, uh, to prove yourself to yourself and to everyone else, you step up or you should step up to the game or you won't win. And so I really had to challenge myself. So I was never without a job. At the age of 16, I had cash to buy a car and I had jobs. And guess what? I was delivering prescription drugs when I was 16 with hair down to my shoulders. Why? I asked for the job. And uh, I started working on a suicide hotline when I was 19. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And so I just stepped up to every challenge and said, I can do this. And I gained that confidence of being able to communicate with adults. And I believe that that also, no, I know that. I'm going to change that. It's not only a belief. It is a fact that that has helped me to communicate with people, which made it easier for me to become a police officer, which made it easier for me to actually get a witness or a victim of crime to tell me what had happened to them, even the horrific details, or to walk into a room in which somebody was accused of murder and have that person tell me that they did commit the murder. So all these lessons that we think, oh, poor me, I'm going through this. No, it's not poor you. It's like, what lessons I'm at? Yet yeah, There you go. Right there. That is correct. So yeah, you know what? The relationship changed. Um, I, I sensed something horrific, uh, you know, before my, my father uh, passed away, I just had this, very bad feeling. It was going to happen, and uh, sure enough, it did. Mm-hmm. Oh, can, that's, I, that's can I go back that.
1: to something that you said, Paul? Because I, I, I just this, I just got a, a feeling when you said it. You said that you were his favorite. You know, mm-hmm. we we live in the you know in the ego and the mind so much, and I'm sure you're a you know believer of the whole idea of alignment and really just living in the heart. What if your dad was actually smart enough to realize in his heart of hearts or in his spirit? and realize that what he's doing to you and the reason you're the favorite is you are the one who's going to break this cycle. Hmm. And it, it might be the most amazing gift where, you know, the sacrificial lamb that he's sitting here going, I get it. I suck. I, 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 I get it. You know, cause my, my dad left when I was a year old and he was never in my life. And at first, you know, people like, Oh, aren't you mad that he left? You know, what a deadbeat dad. And I'm like, but that the, him leaving, was what made me able to, you know, break, like I had to, if like either he had to do something really bad or leave, you know, not just kind of go through the motions. Cause I go, that's what it's like to be a dad. So not having that there was an amazing gift and people call him like a bad person. I'm like, no, the best gift you ever gave me was not being there. So I just wanted you to think about that. Cause when you were speaking and I was like, you know, he's your fit, you're the favorite. I bet he saw that in his own heart. That you were going to be the one to break these cycles and help break the cycles for others in doing the things you do with police work and everything else, suicide hotline and all that. So,
2: you know, Scott, I love what you just said. Uh, I will add this as far as I'm um, like my my story. Um, I've got two brothers and two sisters, and we all turned out great. My one brother is a lawyer. My other brother's a pastor, and both my sisters work uh, with healing the elderly and, and serving the elderly. So we all broke that pattern, but I love what you said of about maybe in his mind, he was training me for so much more. And, and I, I don't know, I, I can't read his mind, and, but you struck something in me that I'm going to have to reflect on. Thank you, Scott, for that.
1: Yeah, because like you said, you know, there's always a lesson in everything. We know that, mm-hmm. but sometimes we in teaching everybody else, we, we teach everybody else all the other lessons and somebody yeah. has to mention something to us. I'm like, damn, that actually
2: makes sense. So. Yeah. You go squirrel? What? <laughs> go. Bro, what? <laughs> what? What? what, what? what? <laughs> yeah, that could be. <laughs>
0: there you go. <laughs> well, we, I, mean, he, I mean, it goes back to what you said before is the choice, is the choice. And what I want to do now, because Scott, you just asked, asked the question that I was going to ask is what's your relationship now with your brothers and sisters? Do they turn out as well? So we got that answer. So a lot of what Scott and I talk about on the show is like, you know, not dealing with the symptoms of situations, right? You know, often we, we diagnose them. Oh, I'm going to deal with the symptom. We go to the doctor, they deal with the symptom. They don't really deal with the root cause. In your opinion, your experience and thinking about going back to the childhood conditioning that we all go through and thinking about what you said about the caretakers. I talk about all the time, like our caretakers were supposed to take care of us, but those were the individuals that taught us the biggest lessons. And we can choose to either be a victim of those lessons and go, oh, poor me, see, this is why I am, I am. And I have all these excuses. Or we can dig into the root cause of the problem and and extract that root and be able to, like you said, reframe our perspective about our past to say that it happened for us and not to us. What do you think, what can we do to help the viewers and the listeners, whether listening live or on the replay or on the podcast, what can we do to help them start that journey of being able to be aware, to be accountable and to start taking action on what it is that they can do to unfuck themselves?
2: Oh, what a great question, Chris! And I'm going to start off by saying something that I talk about in my book, and it's just about self-examination. Right. You know, we need the the Socrates uh, said that a a life uh, an, an an how did he put it? An unexamined life is a life not worth living. Well, it really is a a duty of ours to examine our life, where we've been, where we are, and where we want to be. And so when I examine the past, that's where I've been. And I do not dwell on the past, because to me, dwelling on those past hurts, the things that happened to me. And, and, and I'm not kicking therapy, it's so very important, where I, I, I couldn't go back and just relive the experience, have a therapist just say, well, let's dissect this a little bit longer. For me, no, I do not want to. I see what happened. I recognize what I can take from it, and I'm going to leave it there. I do not want to pack my bags and go to the Poor Me Hotel, where if I check in, there's the Why Me Lounge in the Poor Me Hotel. And the Why Me Lounge, they give two-for-one drinks, and they're dirty, man. And you can stay in that Why Me Lounge all night. It never closes. Just like the Hotel California, you can never leave. Well, some people don't leave that Poor Me Hotel. I don't want to do that. And so what, I'm, what I'd like to do is I'd like to just kind of focus on those things, again, that I can control in the moment. If you're going to examine your life, write down on a sheet of paper, um, two columns. On the one column, what is it that's not going right? Or what is it that I'm, I'm worried about? All these things. And on the other side, Examine what is going well and celebrate the things that are going well in your life. So do examine your life. Do it once every every two weeks. Sit down. What's not going right? It might be a relationship. And maybe that's time for you to take a real close examination of you. Am I being a freaking idiot here? Is the reason this relationship not going well because of me? Do I need to step up and do something differently? Uh, must I change in order to have what I want. So be so brutally honest with you. Do I need to change something in order to get what I want? I can wish upon a star. You remember that little song, twinkle twinkle? I don't know. I sing it you every know. night. That's it. You wish upon a star and all and these, the, all the fairy tales come true. No, they don't. You can wish on a star all you want. But unless you take the action to get what you want Mm -hmm. it's only going to be a wish upon a star and it's going to fall from the sky you want to reach up for the stars how do you do that you reach you reach deep down into yourself and say who must i become what must i do to have this relationship this job this courage this confidence what must i do And so that is self-examination. So for any of your listeners who are struggling with why they are not um, in a state of happiness or they don't have the right job or don't have the right uh, relationship, whatever it is, examine thyself, ask thyself what it is that you need to do to change that. And remember, you get to choose your mindset. You get to reset your mind. You get to remind your brain. And to remind your brain and saying, I've got this. Remember I talked about that, starting your day with confidence? I've got this, no matter what comes my way. Because remember, nobody in this earth of these 7 billion or 8 billion people, how many? we? Nobody deserves love, happiness, respect more than you. Not one person. Not one person is more worthy or deserving of you. You've got to self-love yourself. You've got to tell yourself that's true. And when you set that little shift in your mind to start believing in yourself, wow, having confidence is pretty sexy. When you walk into a room and you say, hey, how you doing? And you're not overconfident, but you're confident in yourself. That means you can walk up to someone of the opposite sex and start a conversation. You can go up to that person who's looking for uh, an employee and say, I have someone in mind, and that person is me. You can have that confidence. It makes all the difference in the world. So examine your life would be my, my short answer. I just gave you my long one.
1: So, so I, I love what you're saying here, Paul, too, because I think a lot of people are waiting for that magic moment. They're yeah. waiting for it, and they don't realize that the magic's inside of them, and they create that moment. You created it in seventh grade, mm-hmm. and they might be listening right now. Somebody's hearing, going... Yeah, but, you know, I can hear you. There's something different in you. You're different than me. People like to say that, say everybody's different. Mm -hmm. And it's this simple. You know this as well as I do, and so does Chris. If you think you're confident, I mean, if you're confident and you think you're amazing, you're right. If you're lacking confidence and you think you suck, you're right. It's that simple. Henry Ford. You know, your mind creates it. Those are the two doors. And so I just want people to really hear that loud and clear. You know, your moment was self-created. You're talking about the fact you did that with the test. Somebody can create that magic starting right now. It's their choice. You don't have to wait and say, I don't know. Tomorrow, set your intention, do exactly what you're saying. I mean, you nailed it. So, so thank you for that because I think all of us need to hear that. And, and actually, I do have a question of one thing that you said in there that I, I do want to get an answer. What do you think about, you know, I know you're not like denouncing therapy and I'm right there with you. Like there's there's something for everybody. Do you just think it's different with everybody? Because some people like to take that deep, deep dive and do the full analysis of all their stuff. Like you, I can look at it and say, that's behind me. I'm going to the other closet. I'm totally with you. And I I don't, I'm like, why am I going to go do that? And some people swear that that's the healing process. What do you think about that? Is it just different with everybody or...
2: Oh, I, I do believe, Scott, and what a worthy, wonderful question! Because I do believe that it's it's different for everybody. It it's where you're at in your mind, and I'm not knocking therapy. I think it's amazing. I just um, when when I hear people have been in therapy for years, I have to step back and go. Um, so you're you're choosing being, to be a victim. Yes, yes. You're going back, and the doctor is taking you through the killing of the kittens. Mm-hmm. Um, over and over and over again how many times must I see those kittens being killed in front of me for me to realize that this is not a good place for me to be you know that's a that's a that's a room I want to step out of and leave behind where it, where it belongs so yeah um, it's different for everybody. And remember there are so many different therapies for people. There's music therapy, there's exercise therapy. There is going on clubhouse therapy. Hell there yeah. is having this podcast with you great guys therapy. It's all these things that if one thing doesn't work for you, it's okay. And maybe the therapist that you're talking to, isn't the right one. Go on to find somebody who is. And remember one thing too, folks, um, you know, I. I I love the movie Good Will Hunting mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and Robin Williams and Matt Damon. And Matt Damon has been the victim of such abuse at the, at the hands of a uh, of abusive uh, foster father. He blamed himself for the things that happened to him. And so many people are walking around carrying this blame is that if I would have been a nicer boy, if I would have been a nicer girl, if only I would have done this, if only I would have done that. Mm-hmm. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's, it's not your not fault. fault. <laughs> it's not your fault.
0: Ooh, to that point, to that point, let's talk about this. I want to talk, let's talk about that since it's right here, but then I have another question for you. Talk about that process of forgiveness. Talk to us about that process of forgiveness, forgiveness of ourselves and what we might've thought we can blame ourselves for. Maybe because I was a bad kid, my dad treated me wrong. Talk to us about that forgiveness process and the surrendering of that guilt.
2: Yeah, blame and shame is such big. They, They are two big enemies. They're like two terrible wolves, blame and shame. Oh yeah. Well, listen, folks, you're not the person that you were. A week ago. You're not the person you were five years ago. We are imperfect people living in an imperfect world. We're going to make mistakes, and we are going to have to take a look at those mistakes and say, yes, I I accept accountability for that, but I am not that person anymore. I am standing on the shoulders I was yesterday. I'm standing on the person, the shoulders of the person I was, and the person, and the person, and the person. I have evolved. There are no there are no failures in life. There are simple graduations. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Uh, you know what? <laughs> uh, that was a rough one. And I need to shake my head. I was not the person I should have been. But let me not blame and shame myself. Let me just become stronger as a result of that. I see it. I see it. And I am reminding myself that I am a better version of the person I was just yesterday. And if I'm going to compare myself to anybody, compare me to me yes. yesterday. Yep. Am that I a better man than I was? Yep. Ooh. Love it. Yeah.
0: Love it. Uh, um, Paul, I, I want to be respectful of your time. We usually go about an hour, but I have a few more questions. Is it okay sure. just to keep going just for a little bit?
2: Absolutely, man. I'm here. Okay,
0: so, so I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about this. You know, it seems like, okay, after you made this decision in seventh grade, you're like, if it turned your life around, you shifted your perspectives, you became a police detective, claim a hostage negotiator, international peacekeeper. I'm certain you have been in some pretty stressful situations, some pretty fearful situations <laughs> as an adult that potentially could trigger the kid in you to resurrect some of those feelings. Talk to us about a time in your life where you were where you had to really put all of these tools to test as an adult of what you decided to learn as a kid.
2: Great question. Oh, that is a great question. Well, you know, Yeah, you know what? We do, don't uh, we? And let's celebrate. Get, remember you that you one? like,
0: like "Oh, I like that one."
2: Yeah. I remember like, you know, I ask
0: stupid questions that I don't even understand myself. Honestly, I I'll tell Scott afterwards, I'm like, "Dude, I asked them a question that I don't even fucking know what I was asking them. No, they're always yeah.
1: good questions. You know what it is? It's that they're always good questions. Sometimes they're just a little more smoothly articulate, but when you listen to it, they're always good.
2: Thank you. So I want to hear the answer on this one. All right. I'm going to take you back to 2005 when I was in uh, on a peacekeeping mission uh, just outside of Iraq in Jordan at the Jordanian International Police Training Center. The United Nations had um, had gone and and asked for peacekeepers and I signed up. I wanted to do my part to fight terrorism and uh, Canada did not send soldiers to the war. We sent Peacekeepers. My job originally was to work and train Iraqi police officers. We had 3,000 police cadets come through our academy every eight weeks. We had Sunnis and Shiites, but we also had terrorists. So terrorists had found a way to easily infiltrate the police academy because Iraq could not vet uh, the police officers, the applicants, fast enough. Imagine, 3,000 every eight weeks throwing them back in the streets so they can police and hopefully bring their country to peace. Now with the terrorists who had infiltrated the academy, they also had a mission and that mission was to kill internationals. After I, I did uh, the, the training uh, aspect of it, I applied for a job as an advocate and counselor and I, I got the job uh, of uh, about 20 internationals. I was the one that selected to do this job along with one other fella. It's a great job. We got to help police cadets who were distressed, lonely, um, suicidal, all kinds of stuff. One day, one of those cadets walks into my office because he was lonely and he liked to speak with me. I had, of a, a course, a translator, an Arabic translator, a Jordanian translator. And he says, Mr. Paul, there's going to be an attack on the academy and internationals are going to be killed. And I said, well, thank you. Um, and he says, well, the attack is going to come from within. I don't know when. And so I went to our security department who had already heard of it. I believe even Canada or Canadian contingency had heard about it. But when you're on mission, you cannot go home. It's not like, hey, uh, there's going to be danger here. So uh, I, I think I'll just take the next plane. I'm going to no. skedaddle. Yeah,
0: I'm going to get out. That's it,
2: That's again. it. No, you know what? We're talking about, uh, you know, that bravery that every one of our soldiers has to face every day. And I had to pull on that bravery and remind myself, number one, what I'm doing here. You know, like, okay, this is it. Don't get scared now, Nado. It's part of the job. Just be alert. About three or four days later, I had arrived at the academy very early because that was my job. I had to arrive before the other instructors. We didn't live on the academy grounds. We drove in from Amman to this private, This this Secret uh, academy in the middle of the desert. It wasn't so secret; you could see it from the street. We were thought a missile was going to come in and just blow us up. That would have been headlines for Al Qaeda. Anyways, uh, three or four days later, I'm walking uh, from uh, the director's office with my partner, a Finnish officer by the name of yarmo Beautiful man. I love this guy. He stands about a, a foot taller than I. And the sun's just coming up. Let me paint a picture for you. The sun, sun is just coming up. It is almost 7 o'clock in the morning, and we're walking through the desert, and we're about 250 feet away from our building when from behind another building came about 40 armed cadets, insurgents, who had gathered with rocks and sticks. They didn't have guns, fortunately, but they came, and they rushed my partner and I. So there we are standing surrounded by these cadets who were all yelling and screaming and talking at the same time and ready to bash us open. And I remember my partner kind of looking down at me and he pats me on the head and he says, this is going to hurt little buddy. And I looked up at him and I said, yeah, it is. And I had to remind myself of all those lessons. Okay, what do you do? You face whatever's coming your way and you give it everything you got. Mm-hmm. There's certain things that are not within your control, but what can you control right now, Paul? You can go out fighting. And that was the decision I made. They grabbed us and they started to beat us. And I remember thinking to myself after getting hit, this is it. This is the last day. I'm, I'm never going to see my girls again. And that brought a tear to my eye. And I just remember fighting. And as this was going on, as they were kicking and, and grabbing us, I heard one voice From behind, everybody going, Mr. Paul, Mr. Paul. And he started to shout something in Arabic. And no sooner did he do that. I'm on the ground. I got these stars going on in my head. But everybody moved away from us. And from behind the crowd, when I finally was able to focus and take a look at who would stop this attack, it was one of the cadets that I had taught in my classroom about six weeks earlier. He had not finished his tour. He was one of the terrorists. And he saved my life. He put a stop to that. He walked up. He reached down. He grabbed my arm. He lifted me. Somebody else did that uh, for my partner, Yadomo. And he looks at me says, Mr. Paul, it's time for you to go. It's not going to be a good day. And so my partner and I were allowed to leave. And we put a stop to the attack because we alerted all the internationals to stay off the grounds. And we got out with our lives. And so I, I brought all those lessons that I had learned about the things that I can control and to not worry about the things I couldn't control and to make a conscious decision as to what I was going to do in the final moments of my life. So I'm sitting here because a terrorist saved my life. And, uh, and that is one of the lessons that I bring out to so many people because I, during uh, our our pre interview, Chris, you and I were talking about two of the most important lessons that we, um, you know, feel uh, that we can share with the world and the first one that I would like to share is that we are more similar than we are different. No matter what it is that the person's color of skin, their religious beliefs, their sexual preferences, no matter what, they are more similar to us than we are different. So why don't we treat them the way that we w- would want to be treated ourselves? Why do we not recognize that, they, that this man here saved my life? Why? I think I know why. Because I had treated him with dignity and respect. My second lesson, you get what you give. If you give someone love, compassion, healing, they'll give you love, compassion, and healing in return. If I if I say, hello, Scott, how you doing, man? You doing okay? You're likely to say the same thing to me. And if I do that with you, Chris, you're likely to do it. But if I go and I give one of you guys a finger and say, hey, screw you, you're probably going to do that or much worse to me. Why There's is the world in such division? Why don't we just treat each other the way that we we want to be treated that's me amen thank you
1: amen we're with you on that one 100 percent.
0: thank you paul 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 Paul. i'm gonna speak for scott um you got to come back on the show dude you, you de- i mean it's yeah. already an hour and four minutes i feel like we're just getting started you and i have talked you and i've been on clubhouse in so many different rooms we're part of the transformational badass event speaking in cancun that's been postponed right now due to covid but we're going to do the virtual event we're still going to do the after event but Man, seriously, thank you so much for being here on the Unfiltered Experience. Thank you for being you. Thank you for sharing your vulnerability, your authenticity. Um, It is. I mean, Glenda says right here, she goes, it's about what you can control. And I've been mm-hmm. telling people that so many times lately. I'm like, can you control the fact of what the government's going to do? Are you writing your, con- are you doing things? Or are you just sitting there increasing your stress level, increasing the anxiety, increasing the, 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 the stress on your relationships and everything else that's going on? What can you control? What can't you? You're in the moment. You're in this moment. I can control this moment. In this moment, I choose to be positive. I choose to. Th- to, to, to be with you guys. I may fall down the stairs after this. I may get hit by a car. I may have an aneurysm. I may have something, but we have the ability to be in these moments. And when you stitch those moments together, ladies and gentlemen, when you stitch those moments together, that creates an amazing life. It's not about where it is that you're going to get to. It's not about playing the Sunday game, which you kind of said before, Paul, it's something I say all the time, every day, all day, like so many people are sitting there hoping, wishing, and praying that someday something's going to change external yes. to them. that's yeah. going to cause them to now have the, the the energy, the confidence, the the whatever to change. But ultimately we only change usually for one of two reasons, because we want to avoid pain or we want to gain pleasure. Mm-hmm. And that, that specific example right there, man, really lends to the fact that each and every one of us, no matter where we're at or who we're dealing with, has an opportunity to, to share the positive sides of humanity to, to really look and examine and say, you know what? If we sat down and talked about what it is that we disagree about, we would probably find that we agree more than we actually disagree. It's just the method yes. and the perspective of which we're coming at it.
2: Yes. Yes. That. yes. Oh, wow. You know, I, you're right. I'm going to have to come back because I've got so many stories that would just knock your socks off, including how, you know, um, I became friends with some of the, most hardened criminals in the world. Why? Because I didn't judge them. And uh, you know, when I walked in to talk to somebody who would have been accused of a murderer, I wasn't walking in to talk to a murderer. I was talking, walking in to talk to a human being to get to find out who that human being is. Sometimes we, we hold what people say about somebody else or the, what they've done, we hold it against them and we don't have the, the opportunity to build the bridge that we need to build between one another so we can understand. Love what you just said, Chris. If world leaders sat down and just didn't judge themselves, use a little bit of that, that emotional courage to just listen and to try to understand. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. If we only did that, brother man, imagine the wars that we could prevent and the soldiers that we could save and the innocent people who die during these wars.
0: Ooh. Ooh yeah this is good this is going to be a show that's definitely going to be replayed and replayed um
1: 100
0: final thoughts mr scott before we send paul to the back room to the green room and finish out the show what do you what do you think what's calling to you man what's calling so
1: i want to give a very simple way to summarize everything i heard paul say in the beauty um uh, first of all i'm seeing a massively empathetic man that can look within and recognize the divine within and see that in others and so What I would recommend for all of us is stop looking outside for all our answers because that control, those things we control, look inward. If we're created in the image of universe, creator, God, whatever term you want to use, then we've got to look within for those answers. So Victor Frankel, Paul, Chris, myself, we're all going to say the same thing. We've got everything in there. You were talking about the downloads, the programming. How do I get courageous in this moment? It's in you. It's just access. It's not somewhere out in some, you know, it's, it's in you period. So recognize the divine within yourself, make sure that you recognize that in others. When you go see a person, not a murderer, a person who murdered, it's still a person. What the heck brought them to that space by you understanding that person and being compassionate with that person, maybe they, maybe that's the freight train to end their cycle. Maybe you can be a part of that process and we've failed to date. And we're changing collectively and we're going to start helping people manage those freight sharings collectively. So thank you for your service, Paul, in doing that. Again, like I always say, Chris, thank you for being a part of that. And I will continue to be a part of that as well. So thank you, guys.
2: Thank you, Scott.
0: Absolutely. Great words, Scott. We have, I mean, so many different, uh, so many different thank yous. We got Ben saying thank you, Paul. We got Glenda saying thank you, Paul. Jacqueline saying thank you all always for Love the Real Deal Talks. Ben says here, uh, nothing better than a little unfiltered experience. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Ben, for being here. I know you're taking time away from your family. So thank you for being here. Uh, Glenda saying that, right? Not your fault. That is so true. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Angel sitting there saying perfect. And Glenda says, again, it's all about what you can control. Um, and uh, and yes, 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 yes. Where can people continue the conversation? Where can people get to know uh, Paul just a little bit better?
2: Well, thank you for that. I just want to add one thing before I give you that. Nobody's coming to rescue you. No. Rescue comes from within. Nobody can give you happiness. Happiness comes from within. How can you get a hold of me? Just check out a couple of my websites. Uh, I've got uh, J. Paul Nadeau. Just put it. Yep. There you go. <laughs> you just put, posted it there. Thank you very much. The other one is my podcast. It's called Inspire Us. And if you just go www.inspireus.ca, you will see some of the amazing guests that I've had on. Who have gone through everything from being born with no limbs to being athletes uh, to um, you know people who have lost everything and rebuilt everything. You're going to see inspiration in these people. Some were hostages and and kept hostage for years. And so these are people who triumphed no matter what was served them because they chose to make something out of nothing. So there. Thank you guys for having me on. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank Certainly you. a pleasure. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Paul Nadeau. thank you. Go. We're going to send you to the back room. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. We want to have a conversation with you before you we head out. But uh, you got it. Close out the show. So thank you, thank you, Paul. You thanks, right. guys. Amazing. Scott,
2: what a pleasure. Chris, pleasure. Love always it. a pleasure, man.
0: Always, always, always. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the unfiltered experience with uh, Christopher Roush and Scott Goyette and our special guest, Paul Nadeau. Um, What a, what a powerful hour. I mean, literally I could sat there, Scott. We have amazing clubhouse rooms. Uh, What are your thoughts on the entire conversation? What, what, from your perspective, can we share with people to remind them and reinforce what Paul said and what we've said throughout this entire hour to encapsulate the fact that what people can take responsibility for in their own lives? What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, so like, let's make it super simple. I always break it down. I mean, if somebody listens to the last two minutes of this, this is what I want you to walk away with. Um, Paul gets the concept of empathy. You know, Paul gets the fact that we're all human beings. We come from different experience. And when we start to look from human to human, you know, the fact that Paul can look at his own dad and say, in all of this, he's still a human. You know, what can you learn from? What does this freight train teach us? So I would just realize that empathy is crucial. I would realize that you can control what you can control. Your choices are super important, and you've got those two closets. You've got one with all the past, and you can sit there all day long of saying what could have been or had been or hurt. Or you can say, I'm going to open this new closet of a beautiful day, and you can create it. So I would end it on that. Get into that closet. Jump out of that closet. Do whatever you need. But get in that super closet. Make that your closet
0: jump out of your closet motherfuckers jump out of your closet ladies and gentlemen where we are at jump out of your closet yeah, do that you no know, i can agree more man this has been this has been this has been one of the shows that this is the stuff that i that i that I dream about when we have shows like a great conversation a great back great. and forth a great exchange got great people here joining us with this so i just want to sit there and say thank you to angel to robert to glenda to ben to Jacqueline, um to all the people uh angel yeah i got angel um you guys have just been amazing thank you so much for being here whether you're live or on the replay we appreciate you guys even if you're on the replay if you have questions please ask those myself scott or paul will definitely answer those questions so i mean people have things going on on friday nights and you guys can always be here the unfiltered crew so if you're watching this on the replay or listening to this on the podcast thank you thank you thank you please submit your questions let us know what we can do to help you and to move yourself along a little further um we just appreciate each and every one of you the part of our unfiltered crew and just to reinforce again Each and every moment, ladies and gentlemen, we have the opportunity to go, is this working for me or is this working against me? Is my mindset, is is where I'm focusing on, is that the energy where I want it to flow or do I want it to flow somewhere else different? And we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but I wanted to talk about free will tonight. We all have the opportunity to make a decision at any point where we're at. And I've proven this statistically by myself. It's like when I was smoking, I'm like, I just want to test the fact that if I decide right now not to pick up that cigarette, will I pick it up? And I made the decision and I didn't pick it up. I did the same thing when I drank. It was like, well, I still drink, but when times I've quit, it's like, do I need to pick that up? Yes or no? No. It's like when I quit taking, when I quit doing Percocet, when I quit doing pain medication, that was one of the most challenging different things oh, to yeah. quit. I quit it twice. I haven't had them in over a year, but that was like, because your mind is so many things, but there is still like, like, um, like he was saying, Victor Frankl talks about that nanosecond between what right. it is that we're thinking, what it is that we're doing. You had that opportunity to go, I'm not going to pick it up. I'm never going to pick it up again. That's how I quit smoking. I just had my buddy Lee. We did stuff five hard. He stopped smoking. He had been smoking for so many years. It's like, I just, I said, what did you do it? He goes, honestly, Chris, I just decided I wasn't going to do it anymore. And it's amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls out there in viewer land, we make promises. We make promises to people we love. And I would, if I were to ask you in person, like, who do you love the most? My mom, my kid, my husband, whatever it is. If you made a promise to that person, would you keep it? Yes or no. Most people say yes. Oh my God, without a doubt. But yet but yet, ladies and gentlemen, we don't make promises to ourselves. Or if we do make promises to ourselves, we loosely we loosely keep them. And then we don't hold ourselves accountable because we use the excuses we use we use that, that we're in a victim mindset or, or this is going on or this is going on. I was just talking to my coaching client yesterday and I had to get in her shit. I said, listen, she goes, well, I've got this. And I'm like, well, you had that and then you had that and you had that. And guess what? You're still going to have this and you're going to have that. And you're going to have that. It's never going to stop. Ladies and gentlemen, it's in these moments that you decide whether the fuck you're going to be a victim or a victor. It's in these moments where you decide you're going to continue to hang around the people that don't serve you, or you're going to get around different people. We talked about that last week on the show. We talked about team, you know, who are the people that you trust? Who are the people that empower you? Who are the people that hold you accountable? And who are your mentors? who are the people on your team that are going to tell you the truth who are the people on your team that are going to say yes you can do this yes you've been through a lot of stuff and yes you most people would think it would hold them down but you could be the person that can change that positioning and to 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 uh, paul's point i think about my situation i think about what i grew up with and i think about my mom was sent here to teach me so many lessons in an early part of my life that i got to choose to say listen i'm not going to turn out like that And we didn't even get to dive into Paul's uh, situation of being a dad with his daughter. So we'll have to bring him back on the show to talk about that. But ladies and gentlemen, you guys, each and every one of you, Scott and I ask and implore you to be the change that you want to see. To go out there, like Paul said, seek first to understand, then to be understood. And most importantly, find that we're more similar than we are different. We are so much more similar than we are different. I've had conversations with people on different sides of arguments and everything else. And ultimately, when you boil it down, it's ultimately we want the same thing we want the same thing it's just the perspective and the attitude and the positioning of what we're going toward that we that we're doing it incorrectly so we have an opportunity for all of us to take a step back and say listen i'm not going to react to what this person's saying or doing i'm going to hold space i'm going to understand i'm going to try to understand them from where they're coming from because and we've talked about this Scott if i had been through your situations or paul's situations or anybody else's situations if i'd been through all their situations might i be like them yes or no of course That's how I was able to forgive and understand my mother because I'm like, if I went through all those situations, might I have been the parent that she was? And thankfully she was the parent that she was because I chose to be the person that I am from it. And so many people fall victim to that. So we love and appreciate you guys. We have so many more shows coming up for you with impactful guests. Also, Scott and I are going to continue doing solo shows just to bring the conversation to you and include you. But if you have any topics or subjects or guests that you feel would be a great fit for the unfiltered experience, please DM us. Please let us know. We want to have more conversations. If you know people that are influencing you in your life, send them over to the show. We'd love to have them on as guests and be able to to articulate and share with their message with our audience. So, we love and appreciate each and every one of you. Go to www.theunfilteredexperience.com. It's our webpage. You can go check out our videos. You can come over to the Facebook group and pe- become a part of the community. We want you a part of what we call our unfiltered crew. It's like the Misfits for Life. It's, it's the special place where you guys all belong and you have a safe space anytime to come, reach out to Scott or myself or our guests and have a place to have communication and have somebody that can potentially help you move forward. So we love and appreciate each and every one of you. Go out there, be the change you wanna see. We're the Unfiltered Experience, and we love you guys. Go out and have an amazing weekend. We'll see you next time, next Friday night. Put it on your calendar, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We love and appreciate you guys. We'll see you next time.